Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pokey Science. It's cameraman Chris, and we actually are joined by veteran Lucas. One of the last times you might be joining us from Japan. Yep, yep. I'm coming back in mid-March. Got some stuff lined up. It's uh, it's looking good. It's looking nice. Thanks for thanks for bringing me out for just this one. I understand the others had some stuff to going on, but I wanted to. Make sure you didn't have to go through all the news and stuff on your own, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. So we actually, our, our last episode, we talked about uh, service animals and how yeah. Pokemon might fill that role if they were real. And, you know, as a group, we were sort of talking about how Pokemon could also play, uh, what other roles they could help in assisting members of society with their needs. And we figured that we might carry that into this episode as well. So we have a fantastic interview that you actually helped line up with a host of another podcast and, and network. Yeah, no, he, Kyle is a, he's a really nice guy. He approached us saying he wanted to talk a little bit more about representation of differently abled people. And with our last episode, it was definitely one of our shorter ones. Obviously we can talk more about it, which is why we wanted to bring him in. And I'm so glad that you got to interview him. I knew you guys would do really, really well. And to be honest, I feel bad when it's like, oh, it's an interview. Quick, get the Lucas. He'll do it. No, I love you got you gotta share the fun. Interviews are fun. Talking with people and, and learning about their experiences, and then also while connecting over this shared shared thing that we all have, which is a love and appreciation of Pokemon. Yeah. So let's uh let's get to our news and uh I mean we gotta we got to go through the big news, but then we'll get to that interview. So uh can you know what? It's your you're doing the interview. Say the thing. All right, cue the music. All right, Lucas. So in science news, I found a fun. I it might be fun. It might be terrifying, depending on how you view vinegar eels. Okay, before you say anything further, vinegar eels are not actual eels. There's a really bad trend in science where, huh, it's long and wiggly and in water. We'll call it an eel. And that's like electric <laughs> eels aren't even eels. They're they're part of a group called knife fish. I, I, okay, I'm sorry. That's my thing. Continue. It's a loaded topic for Lucas. Yeah, what do you know about nematodes? Admittedly, a little bit. Um, I have, I hear them a lot when it comes to potato farming, uh, and cause North Carolina, we've a very big sweet potato industry. Um, and it's something that farmers have to be very conscious of. Also nematodes. I first learned about as a child watching Doug. Really? I learned about them from watching SpongeBob. Thanks Nickelodeon. Uh, for those who want to know more, they are a entire group of organisms that basically just... They're, they're a kind of worm of sorts, but they are prevalent on every continent, in the air, in the water, in the food you eat. One of my old bio professors once said that if everything on Earth died except for the nematodes, the Earth would still be teeming with life. <laughs> they are everywhere. Yes, we learned a little bit more about this specific nematode, which is that, according to the authors, they can, quote, synchronize swim. And for those of you who are thinking like gold medal, like, you know, instead of like China winning it, it's just a group of nematodes and everyone gets really angry. It's not, it's not quite that. <laughs> no, it's, it is, they're not, uh, you know, spinning around and extending their arms in unison. No, it's more of a, they are wiggling in sync as they move together in swarms, which is that, that sort of coordination we see more so in like birds and fish, right? Yeah. It's, it's almost like they're able to sense the other's movement and follow through it. That's how fish are able to move in those massive schools and shoals is by feeling the vibrations of others. It's not too far stressed to think that some lower, or I don't like to say lower life, but like just some less complex organisms could also do that. But it's the first time we really observed it. We saw it like a droplet of water, just them all moving together. It's really weird and really cool. And also SpongeBob called it. I'm just going to say it. SpongeBob called it. Literally, in that SpongeBob episode where SpongeBob loses his house, the nematodes are all synchronized, moving together. Hungry, 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 thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. Now in the water droplet. I bet if we put a microphone next to it, it'd be swimming, 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 swimming. Ah, oh, SpongeBob. Forget the Simpsons. It's SpongeBob that predicts the future. We would need a very, very tiny microphone for that. We have those, man. We can call the CIA. I'm sure they got one. 
in regards to you said like you know moving the house the the researchers in this situation found that with the um with the oscillation each new each vinegar eel was able to generate one micronewton of force oh that's so sweet combined they could move objects hundreds of times their own weight and so that they were using they're, they're hypothesizing that they're using this behavior to minimize either to minimize exposure to free radicals in the water or also to generate flows to move nutrients I mean, that honestly does not surprise me in the slightest. Again, these creatures have been known by so many different scientists to do all this weird stuff. I think nematodes definitely one of the most underappreciated organisms on Earth just because of how many there are and just the weird stuff that they do. Also, if you find someone who's a specialist in nematodes, my professor once told me they're all a bunch of freaks. So, I mean, take that how you would. (laughs) Well, maybe your professor is just biased. What if that's just your no? He was a behavioral bias. scientist guy who like loves soccer. That guy was dope. No, no, he was cool. Like, he was <laughs> like, no, don't, don't try. They're just groups of scientists that they're a bunch of freaks. And it's for some reason it's some of the microbial ones. I don't know. Staring at a microscope makes it crazy. Again, not all of you are crazy, but some of you know the crazy ones. <laughs> now, science fun aside, legends has dropped. Let's go. I just found an article today. I want you to guess how many copies it has sold in Japan in its first three days. In just Japan. Just Japan in three days. 50 million? 1.45 million copies. Wow, I way overshot that. Yeah, you're, you're not yet. Yeah, not quite. No. Like, uh, Japan loves Pokemon, but not that much. Got chill, brother. <laughs> but still, 1.5 million copies in three days is, it is apparently tied as like, at the moment, like the second fastest selling game in Japan. I think number one is Breath of the Wild or Mario mm-hmm. Odyssey. It's one of those two. Either way, it's really, really cool. It's like 1% of the population buying the game. So 1% of the population is playing Pokemon. Awesome. I love this. This is the best. <laughs> I, I got mine a little bit late, so uh, I, I'm just kind of getting started, but it is it is a blast. It is very, very fun. I'm, I There are parts that I love, and there are parts that I miss about the, the main titles. There are... I love this game. This might be one of my favorite Pokemon games of all time. Like, this might be in oh, my yeah. top three. Like, top two, maybe. Because... Just, it's awesome. It changes the game in a way we've asked for. No, it's not entirely open world. Yes, there's some weird graphical issues with things at a distance moving at three frames only. I understand why some people can get upset, but to those people who are super upset, just look at it. Look how far we came. Look what we've accomplished. For some of you younger ones who only got into Pokemon recently, look, I was there when it was just on a Game Boy in the dark. I was playing Pokemon in the car as street lights were going by and lighting up as I walked through Mount Moon. Like, this is, like, amazing, the work that they've done. Is there more work to be done? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. But the alphas, the catch rate. Yo, I was actually struggling at one point because I'm trying to, like, fight, like, three Pokemon at once who are just ganging up and beating on my poor Typhlosion. Zubat gang. Like, the new forms are great. Yeah, they're all, all the new forms are great. We're definitely going to be talking more and more about it. The next episode yeah. after this, we'll be talking specifically about some of the alpha Pokemon and how to avoid them. I love this game. It's fantastic. If you haven't bought it, go get it. I have to say that all the people that I've seen on Twitter claiming that it has PS2 graphics, I don't think ever played a PS2 game. <laughs> Yeah, no. Like, have you you ever seen Ratchet and Clank when he goes, whoa? Like, yeah, no, that's not. Those aren't, they ain't great graphics. Admittedly, Jack and Daxter look pretty good. Sure, the hair on our character doesn't have a lot of detail and the grass doesn't have a lot of, like, you know, that kind of detail, but they're mm-hmm. not cubes. Yeah, no. It's... They, they're like the old, like, Grand Theft Auto Vice City where, like, your, fin- <laughs> your hands are just, like, a block with, like, lines on them for your hands. Yeah, no, it's not. If you're thinking of getting Legends and you got the money to spend it, heaven knows if, no wait, Pokemon never discounts anything, so you might as well buy it now. It's great. It's fun. That's a lie, Lucas, because if you could, if you pre-ordered it on, I think it was Amazon, you got $5 off. 
Oh, yeah, my buddy Richard, my neighbor, was telling me that. Yo, yo, Lucas, you got to do a pre-order. Dude, I'm just going to I'm gonna wait. Like, you got for $5, bro. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm not doing it. But, like, it's fine. It's whatever. There was, some, there was some gaming website where the headline was major discount on Pokemon Arceus pre-order. And I clicked it, and it was, like, $5. I mean, like, but for, for Nintendo to get any kind of discount is, like, a big deal, my dude. Po- Nintendo hates discounts. I pre-ordered mine through with the Pokemon Center, which because mm. I wanted the Arceus sitting cutie that came with it, but uh. they got delayed. And then when they the delay was after I will have moved houses, mm. and the Pokemon Center doesn't actually let you change your address after the order has been placed, even if it hasn't shipped. Mm. Uh, so I was trying to coordinate with the people in the house now, being like, "If you see a box, let please let me know." And I still don't have the the pre-order bonus still hasn't come through. So it still might just, they, it's still a bo- Pokemon Center box might just randomly show up at this house I no longer live at. Mm. Well, hopefully you'll get it and everything, everything's going to come up nice and easy for you. I got the game. That's what matters. Yeah. I mean, if you need a sitting cutie, bro, I'm like a 45 minute train ride from the place they're actually birthed. So I'll just go grab one. I'm going to maybe uh, ask you or ask you if you're going to do a run before you leave. I'm going to do a run before I leave, but I'm going to like, so a week before I leave, I'm going to pack everything and like, okay, I've weighed and scaled everything. And like, this is how I deal with things. Like, okay, I can pack this much weight. Shopping! Like, they're going to literally see me like, uh, is that, that guy just bring like a gram scale to the Pokemon? What? Like, I'm weighing these things, ma'am. Leave me alone. I don't think we have any Pokemon news that's of any relevance, right? Nothing major. Actually, 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 there is something that I do want to talk about. Alrighty. The shiny Galar birds are coming to the game. Oh, okay. Um, and, and and so basically it's shiny Galar, Zapdos, Articuno, and Moltres. And it's important to note how you get them because they are rewards for taking part in the international challenges that happen monthly starting in February. The important thing to note for these international challenges is you do have to register uh, in the in the game for them to be able to take part in them. And the registration is open, I think it opened on Thursday, uh, February 3rd, and it runs for a couple weeks, and you have to do it for every month, so you have to do it for the February one, then you have to do it for the March one, and then the April one, uh, and then when you take part in the actual challenge, by doing, you, you get 15 battles a day over three days, but in February, I think it's, Art- I think it goes Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres, and I think that the dates are the 19th and the 20th for the February. I think, and I think they are the same days of the month in every month, but February is, if February runs from the 18th through the 20th. Gotcha. And registration ends on the 17th. All right. Good stuff to know. Honestly, I wish I could compete a little bit more, but with all the stuff going down within the next month, I don't really feel like getting into it. I do like it that it's Uno, Dose, and Trace in that order. That's just nice to me. I enjoy that. Well, good luck to anyone competing. Get them birds. I don't want to. I don't need them birds. I have a giant bear now. I'm fine. I can do whatever I want. I'm in Legends now. I don't need to fight people. I get to fight nature every day to survive. So, all right, Lucas. Well, I uh, I think uh, we're at that point. We should just uh, jump into the interview. Let's go ahead. All right, everyone. Well, we have a very special guest for you all today. We have Kyle. Kyle, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? My name is Kyle Romano. I have a podcast of my own in a company called The Disabled Network, um, where we actually go and talk with other disabled people and people in the disabled community and just talk about what life is like living in uh living as a disabled person in an able-bodied world it's it's great i've met a lot of i never really had that many uh disabled friends so it's been super cool to actually be able to have the opportunity to meet a lot of other people who have a very wide range of disabilities and kind of come together on like that that common ground and also give people an opportunity to speak who don't usually get an opportunity to speak, at least outside of um, a medical context. So yeah, so it's been, it's been super cool. What would you say when you were thinking of starting up uh, the Disabledist Network, 
what was your inspiration or your main goal? You know, what were you looking to achieve with it? Uh, yeah, so that has morphed with time, I guess, as I'm sure that the, the Poka Science podcast has as well. But the main thing was just to um, share the stories um, of other disabled people to try and educate able-bodied people, the able-bodied community about disability. I, I had mentioned to you before this call started that a lot of the hangups that people have related to disability, a lot of the times in my experience has been that they just don't really know and that they're afraid to ask because they don't want to offend or anything like that. And so the Disabled Network is pretty radical in the sense that we put everything out there. Um, we don't really care, you know, what question you have, as long as you're not obviously trying to just be like offensive and say mm -hmm. like nasty things to us. Um, but, you know, just essentially have an open dialogue between people because the way that stereotypes are made, the way that inaccurate ideas of people are made is from an unwillingness to talk to each other. Um, and so that's really what the Disabled Network is all about. And to have, you know, a little bit of fun in that and uh, make some jokes along the way. So I guess we're, we're here for a very abrupt topic change, uh, but we are a Pokemon podcast. So I go, uh, question for you is what got you interested in Pokemon? So I have been playing Pokemon since Red and Blue. I'm not a Gen Oneer, so don't worry. I'm an I, I am a, an avid fan of Pokemon. I always have been. I always will be. I don't know what got me into it. I do remember that one day because I was a, a big Nintendo head when I was little, and uh, I got Nintendo Power. I had a subscription to Nintendo Power, and in the mail one time, I remember getting a VHS tape of a. Uh, it was a preview episode for the Pokemon anime. I got that same VHS tape. That's how I came to Pokemon. Yeah. And uh, same, same, but different. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, from that, I also remember getting a Nintendo Power. Specifically, I can picture the mm -hmm. cover was of red on the bike. Yep. And inside of it was a look into uh, Vermilion City. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember there being a thing about like the old rod and about Magikarp and all, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, Magikarp, by the way, is a Pokemon that I definitely relate to because it is perceived as being worthless. Uh, and then when it evolves, it becomes the tyrant of tyrant Pokemon. You would get along great with Lucas. That, yeah. Well, it is a shame that I'm missing out, but maybe if... Uh, if my episode pulls good enough numbers, I can come back on and talk again. And also, you know, if there's anything related to, uh, you know, disability in Pokemon, uh, you know, you can treat me as your residential uh, disability expert. I'm more than happy to come and talk about that kind of stuff at, at any our, time. Our go-to. So I remember playing Pokemon in fifth grade and uh, remember playing it after school. I would bring my Game Boy with me. And uh, I'd try to play it during, you know, like free time or whatever. And then, of course, you know, like nobody was allowed to play video games just like ad hoc whenever they wanted to because it's school and there are rules. But my mom actually worked as a one on one aide for a little girl who was autistic. And um, so I would ride in with her to work because I went to school at the same school and um, same elementary school. At this time, it was the closest place uh, the closest elementary school to me that had a quote unquote special needs program. And it was about like half an hour away um, from where we lived. And so I would have to go in with her early when she had to report. Um, and so when I would be there early, I would bring my Game Boy and I would play. And then I'd also have to stay late with her because we school got out at 215, but she had to stay until three every day. Um, to run copies and all of that kind of stuff. And so I would also play my Pokemon game. Uh, like I, I, I had blue and my brother had red and then we both got yellow. The natural rivalry of brothers. Yeah, na yeah natural. Um, and so here's another interesting thing um, that uh, I didn't realize until I got much later in my life is that I think I also gravitated towards Pokemon because as I mentioned, uh, my disability, I, I don't have my arms and I don't have my legs. And in other words, the, the 
technical diagnosis is I'm, I'm a quad amputee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so depending on how I can reach the buttons of specific controllers or things like that really determines whether or not I can actually even play a game. And mm-hmm. Pokemon being a, a, a turn-based RPG where there's not a lot of, you know, you're not having to worry about running and jumping and all that kind of stuff um, like you do now with Legends Arceus, but that's a different thing and I can get into that later. It was very easy for me to play because I could just manipulate the D-pad with my lip or my left arm and then also manipulate the buttons with my lip or my left arm. And there was no fast decision-making that had to happen. I could just do it on my own time. Yeah, And so I think that that subconsciously also drew me to Pokemon, other than the fact that all the Pokemon were super cool and I was a big fan of animals, thought I wanted to be either a zoologist or a vet and uh, obviously ended up not going that route. Um, but, I, you know, after that and falling in love with, with the Pokemon themselves um, and then the fact that I could actually play it and not ever have to worry about not being able to play it was just, you know, an added bonus to it. Yeah. Out of curiosity, have you had any experience with the adaptive controller that Microsoft put out? I have not had any experience with it. I would really like to. I will say that I am disappointed in Nintendo in terms of their accessibility because I've been writing them for years when they came out with the Wii because I really didn't think that I would be able to play a lot of titles that came out on the Wii because of the motion controls. And and I thought that, you know, I was worried that that was going to become a staple in the in the gaming industry and in some ways it has yeah as of recent very very recent with you know the microsoft accessible controller and uh sony was an early um well not early but one of the earlier um buy-ins in terms of baking in button remapping yeah to on, on the console level um and i think that nintendo was the last big developer um on the console level level to uh, adopt that um button remapping um into you know like i said baked into the operating system um and it's not even in in the system settings and stuff it's not even couched as as any as an accessibility feature it's just in settings and then controls and then you go into there and you remap and it's also agitating because when you go and you play a game you remap your buttons. It doesn't change any of the dialogue in game either. Mm-hmm. So you have to remember, okay, I remapped RT to be R3. And so whenever a prompt comes up and it says push RT to do this, well, okay, I made that R3. So I have to, I have to remember that in my mind. You kind of touched on the, the next question a little bit. How do you feel about the representation of disabilities in media and pop culture? Specifically, is there someone who you think does it really well and, and, who is lagging? Who is who is doing it? Uh, who's not doing a good job with it? There's going to be a lot of people who will love me for my answer to this, and a lot of people that may hate me. <laughs> but I did want to mention just real quick before I move on to that: um, if it wasn't for the ability to do button remapping, I literally would <laughs> not be able to play Legends Arceus. And since Pokemon is my favorite franchise of all time, uh, probably tied with Smash Bros, um, not being able to play it would have been extremely 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 depressing for me um so i just want to make that very very clear um yeah because the game in and of itself doesn't have any options to remap mm-hmm. the controls i have to go and do that at the console level um so there is a piece of merchandise that my company recently made we're starting to make uh shirts that are funny um and kind of you know we use humor as a way to approach um, some of the more difficult stuff to talk about in relation to disability or stuff that people might not feel comfortable talking about. And um, there is a term, and uh, I promise you that it's not it's not a bad word, even though it gets like flagged in uh, YouTube and, and all of that kind of stuff, but um, it's called inspiration porn. But essentially it says uh, that, you know, all disabled people are inspirations just for existing. Like, oh my God, did you see Kyle... Uh, he went out today and um, he drove his car and went to work. Oh, he's so brave. And uh, that's a very pervasive thing. Um, and a lot of people who do that don't realize that they're being offensive, um, which is a terrible thing. So as a pun to that, we made a, a shirt 
and well it's on a bunch of different pieces of merchandise but it says inspiration porn star on it and uh as a play on that because you know we are trying to reclaim all of that because i used to get really really angry when people would call me an inspiration and then learned as of recent that that might be the only way that they can articulate what they're trying to say and dealing with somebody like me who has a disability Mm -hmm. that they've never seen before um and so as i mentioned to you before i i have a pretty dark sense of humor um and uh in relation to that i really am drawn to like disability related humor and so um i really uh thought that for instance when i heard like josh blue who's a comedian with um cerebral palsy um i had never heard people joke about disability in a similar way that i do that is like very over the top and uh all of that kind of stuff and i was like hey this is i joke like this with my friends i watch a lot of um uh, disabled content on youtube um to support disabled content creation which everybody should if you can a big channel that i watch probably uh the most religiously is called squirmian grubs um not sure if you're familiar um so they are an interabled couple, um, meaning that um, one of them has a disability and one of them does not. There's a channel um, by a woman named Molly Burke who is blind, who I watch, who does a lot of really, really cool stuff um, in relation to um, blindness, has a seeing eye dog, and recently just... Um, retired her former seeing eye dog and went through the entire process of getting her new seeing eye dog. Um, Channels like that that really speak to the nuances of of living a disabled life and acknowledging that, um, you know, the limitations that we face are real. Um, And I think that if we go through life and we take the, the inspiration porn route, let's just say, and treat all disabled people as um, you know, like modicums of inspiration and like, oh my God, you you did such a good job today. It, it essentially sets, you know, disabled people up to fail because there's, there's no expectations for us. It, it's just posited that really the expectation is that we won't succeed. Um, and so really these people who go out there and put themselves out there and, and really showcase the way that their actual lives are really um, just juxtapose that idea. Um, you know, really you're just like, hey, you know, this is how this is how I live. Um, I do have real limitations. And if I ignored them, I'd actually put myself in bodily harm. Like I tell people all the time, you know, there's, I'm not taking the stairs anytime soon. And if I did, it would hurt really bad. Um, so, you know, ignoring that part of my disability would be not a good thing. And so the content that I that I consume in relation to disability tends to be um, kind of like minded in that sentiment where they take disability and they flip it on its head in terms of what pop culture has always told us. And they show a sense of pride, but also are realistic in that, um, you know, it's not easy to live with a disability, um, that kind of thing. So I, I had not heard of any of those channels. So thank you for for sharing those. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate them as well. And I guess the, the flip side of that question is the, obviously there's probably a lot that we can say are that of people who need to do better in representation for disabilities in terms of people that do it wrong i would say and i i can't speak all to this because i'm i'm not autistic but my my good friend and my co-host lou is on the autism spectrum and i listen to oh another content creator that i watch religiously her name is paige Leal. she's also really big on tiktok and she talks about what it's like having autism and i learned from her that there's an organization called autism speaks that is 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 very blatantly ableist in in the way that they handle a, a lot of uh their verbiage like i said i'm not too versed in in all of that and i'm very new to the autistic community and don't want to speak for them because I don't have that diagnosis. But I know from listening to Paige and then doing more research and stumbling upon some other content creators that are autistic that I can't remember the names of, but know that a lot of them are very big proponents against Autism Speaks. Their logo for, or they, one of their campaigns was something like Light It Up Blue or something like that. And if you know anything about 
autistic people is that there are a lot of um, uh, sensory things related to having autism and a lot of hypersensitivity, for instance. And so saying like light it up blue for autism, they didn't talk to an autistic person before they decided to do that campaign because no autistic person would tell them to change all of the lights everywhere to blue because it would be extremely disorienting. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I am familiar with the fact that autism speaks does a lot of things to be um, ableist. And that term specifically means uh, discriminating against disabled people just for being disabled so like we use terms that people might be more familiar with like we're familiar with like racist or like sexist yeah in relation to like race or somebody's gender and so ableist is the same you know in in that regard but discriminating against like disabled people Mm -hmm. look and see if you're interested in learning about disability um i would look at the content that you're looking at and see if disabled people are talking about that content to gauge whether or not you think that it it would be a good representation of disability or disabled people. And and ignorance is definitely the one thing that leads to people having um, inaccurate ideas about disability and disabled people. And so do it in a professional or a nice way. But the only way that you're going to learn what is and is not acceptable is by talking to disabled people about it. So yeah, make disabled friends and... If you want to be my friend, I'll do that for you or listen to my show and you will learn about it pretty quickly within probably one episode. So, Well, on that note, Kyle, I think we should uh, jump into our, our, our Pokemon section of the podcast. If you are... I'm ready to be the very best like no disabled person ever was. This section we're going to do a little bit differently than our normal. Um, rather than you know picking Pokemon, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk more in categories around disability that exist in the world uh, and how certain Pokemon might help yeah. with certain disabilities and disorders. So I guess the the first one we'll start with uh, is I guess more centered towards physical disabilities. Sure. I'm curious, you know, what do you have any initial thoughts like like what jumps off the the map right to you for uh, a Pokemon that could apply in assisting in, in a physical disability situation? Yeah, so I actually talked to my cousin about this. Um, shout out, hi, Michaela, if you're you're going to be listening to this. So hi, I called her and I was like, hey, really quick, I want to run some stuff by you. And I literally don't have anybody else that I can call <laughs> like, yeah. because she also um, is disabled. She has ADHD. And she has um, like gastrointestinal stuff, stuff like that. And so, and she also has um, uh, a a dog that she's training to be an emotional support animal mm-hmm. um, slash service dog. Um, so right off the bat, and that kind of like, you know, lets the cat out of the bag is to what we were thinking when we first started talking. The easiest probably just because it's the closest to what we have now and people can wrap their heads around are dog-like Pokemon. Yeah. Um, so, like, I mentioned to her, like, Growlithe, you know, being able to go and training it to pick up things for people, open doors for people, be an emotional support um, animal, be a, you know, um, seizure detection dog, um, all of that kind of stuff, because it is a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other, obviously there are a lot of other dog Pokemon. Like, uh, I have, for instance, I have, I have a golden doodle. Um, so I, you know, instant instantly thought about like Furfro. Yeah. Could do service related tasks like any other service dog. Um, Lillipup maybe could be an emotional support animal. Herdier is a little bit bigger. Um, and then Stoutland, uh, is much larger and could do, um, uh other things as well and then there are are bigger uh dog-like pokemon like houndoom and um like arcanine that you know for instance i know that there are some service dogs that manual wheelchair users use um because they might get tired or might have uh you know subluxation in their shoulders um uh which means that their like their shoulder joint is like separated and so they might not be able to push, mm-hmm. like propel their chairs for too long on their own. So a larger dog like Pokemon, like Arcanine or Houndoom could 
pull them, essentially. And then you get the one person who has Entei. Well, Entei would be like your your wheelchair is going to fly. It's not even going to like that. Uh, I, I don't remember. I think that it might've been a soul silver heart gold exclusive move, but Hey, look at some point that thing got extreme speed. <laughs> yeah. So like that thing, yeah, just like your wheels are going to be touching, aren't going to be touching the ground probably more than they are touching the ground. Maybe, maybe too fast. Maybe too fast. Yeah. I was, uh, I was chatting with, with Lucas a little bit about it and he was talking about something like, Machamp. Oh yeah. In the the sense for like um maybe helping with like lifting in and out of wheelchairs or, or loading into vehicles. Oh yeah. I don't know if Machamp is the right option. Because if you look through its dex entries, I think it's got like 20 or so being an original one. Mm-hmm. I think it's Omega Ruby. It says that Machamp actually gets its arms tangled when it deals with any motions that involve care or dexterity. Oh yeah, that's that immediately that immediately uh, changes my because I was thinking that since it had four arms, it can hold it can hold the person with two. So like even carrying up a flight of stairs or using a Machamp in lieu of a piece of mobility technology. So like instead of a wheelchair, having a mm-hmm. Machamp carry like uh, you know carry me around, it, or like if my wheelchair breaks, for instance, right? Yeah, and then have the other two arms free to grab other things for you, and you know that thing's strong. So it can yeah. pick up stuff. Um, but that's interesting. I did not, that would. That, I, I kid you not. It is like one entry out of all of them. Well, <laughs> it, I mean, hey, but it's canon though, right? So. Yeah. Oh, and so then, uh, but I do have a solution for you. Okay. Dial back one evolution. Machoke, yeah. Okay. Machoke, you, you lose the, you lose the forearms, mm-hmm. but um, it says that Machoke actually wears its belt to help control its power. It must wear its power save belt to be able to regulate its motions. So in my mind, that means it has just a little bit more control than than Machamp has. And so it might, while maybe not as strong as Machamp, can still do a lot of the things. Like it can still lift a boat. So Oh, it can lift a boat? Yeah, it can lift oh, a, yeah. it can lift a boat. So so like, you know, it could still do what it needs to do to to help in those situations, but Maybe maybe has a little bit more control, which I think is is important in that kind of area. Well, if it can lift a boat, if my wheelchair gets stuck, just to give you a frame of reference, my wheelchair probably weighs about uh, my power wheelchair weighs like three four hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're golden there. We're covered. <laughs> Are there any other ones in in the physical physical nature that you um, want to speak to? Yeah, I actually I have an outside of the box thing. Okay, hit me with it. So. Uh, believe it or not, uh, even though I don't have arms and I don't have legs, I can actually swim. Okay. My grandmother, my grandmother taught me how to swim. For, uh, a lot of disabled people, um, who have either muscular or skeletal, um, like pain and stuff, right? Um, a big, uh, thing that therapies and stuff will, um, recommend is, um, like getting into a pool. Mm -hmm. Um, because actually being weightless takes weight off of joints and off of bones and off of musculature and can do worlds for helping and can also, and also strengthens muscles at the same time. And so having a water type Pokemon that could help with like, I I don't know what the kind of therapy, because it's called something hydrotherapy maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but so having Pokemon that could help in that regard would be awesome like a like a water type that either could hold you so i'm thinking like either a polywhirl or a polyrath maybe because yeah they're, they got arms big and strong they, they got they unlike me they got arms big and strong <laughs> but um yeah so so that or even if it was like you know, i don't know like a blastoise um or, or some mm-hmm. something that has some kind of like a, appendage but the other thing that would be cool too would be let's say like extend the duration of uh, time that like you could spend in the water or whatever um, for therapy sessions and that kind of stuff maybe make it so that like you don't become so waterlogged and like mm-hmm. be able to absorb some of that water out of your skin or if you do have an issue with swelling or things like that, having a water type Pokemon to be able to draw that out um, unpainfully um, mm-hmm. would be 
absolutely incredible. And I know that if, if there's anybody listening that does um, have swelling and all of that kind of stuff, they can attest to like how difficult and how painful um, that can be at times or, you know, like not even uh, not be able to wear clothes and stuff like that, for instance, as well. And then what other kinds of, oh, so um, there is work being done um, in the realm of spinal cord injury um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, like the creation of um, exoskeletons, which, you know, to no surprise, like disabled people always end up being uh, the last people to benefit from a technology and like the people that first benefit from it are like the military. So, so like, you know, there are exoskeletons that, you know, first and foremost were designed military purposes, but there are a lot of people who have sustained spinal cord injury who are using exoskeletons to be able to actually get up and walk. And um, I don't say this in terms of like, quote unquote, healing a disability or correcting a disability. Um, Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people might not uh, know about people who have all of their limbs but are paralyzed is that um, if you are paralyzed and you are sedentary meaning that you just sit in your wheelchair all day also i work at like a wheelchair provider so that's why i know all this like weird side information if you sit in a wheelchair all day um you're going to have like muscle atrophy so your muscles are going to like wither away eventually if you're Mm -hmm. not using them so i'm thinking these people who are using these exoskeletons these studies are finding out that um, there are a lot of uh, benefit to them physically, meaning that there is a lot of muscle tone that starts developing again because the muscles are being um, used. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a significant increase in like bladder function and things like that because being sedentary and sitting all day, um, are, the human body was not meant to be in a sitting position all day. And so there's yeah. a lot of complications that can start to arise. One of those being in relation to like your kidneys and your bladder. Um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, All of this to say that uh, there is also work being done with electrocution and electrocuting muscles and getting them to activate um, Mm -hmm. forcefully that way by an external source, because our nerves are sending electricity to our muscles, which activate them, which have us move. And so they're using software to be able to activate the muscles in people and getting them walking when they couldn't physically do it themselves otherwise. So... I'm wondering if Pokemon, if electric type Pokemon um, would be able to assist in that, in that, uh, you know, if it wouldn't be too much of a drain to their energy um, using their electricity, that is, you know, if a Jolteon could um, be, you know, a service animal for somebody who is paralyzed and allows them to use its electrical charge to get up for, a couple of hours a day and then therefore they don't have to buy this expensive exoskeleton yeah no yeah exa- and just get it gives it that little bit of spark yeah and then they get all the health benefits from it like they get the, the muscle tone development they get the increased like kidney and bladder function um and you know be be able to stand again to, uh, you know yeah. being like eye to eye with people for instance as well as a, a thing that i hear a lot of wheelchair users um talk about um, for a lot of people, it's a bit, it's a big thing. A lot of people that I hear come into like our office, for instance, are like, oh, you know, I want a seat elevator, which brings the seat up because I want to mm. be able to see somebody. So like, you know, having a Luxray or something that could, that, you know, I'm thinking probably a little bit of a beefier electric type that mm. wouldn't get really tired very easily um, so that it could, you know, sustain your nervous system for, more than just like a couple of minutes to get actual like therapeutic um, function out of that. Yeah. You want something with enough juice to kind of sustain. Yeah. But, but not, but also not fry you. No. Yeah. That's the, 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 there's a balance. (laughs) I guess we'll, we'll go into the, the next category, which uh, we had drawn up is uh, more in the, the psychiatric uh, section. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So things like, uh, bipolar disorder uh schizophrenia one that i had so i i mentioned bipolar and one of the things that i thought of uh it was talked a little bit about it was mentioned a little bit in our previous episode helping hand but i was wondering if there was a pokemon that could sort of help monitor people and sort of where they are so it you know um something if someone who has bipolar is 
you know, going into um, a manic episode or a depressive episode, something like Lucario or Ryalu that can sort of sense auras and, and people's energies or feelings. I was wondering if that could almost apply in this situation where it could sense these the onsets of these episodes and, you know, make people aware or the people who need to know aware of the situation to sort of have what is needed in that situation, you know, especially with, you know, they are tend uh, Lucario and Ryalu are, you know, bipedal and more, you know, you almost wonder if they can maybe be trained to carry out certain tasks, you know, to, to help people in these situations. There's just something about like that, that aura seeing that it, you know, it takes a little bit of that, you know, st- stretch of our imagination work, but I think that there's something there. I don't know. Yeah, no, you, oh, sorry. I accidentally You're... hit the uh, switch for my seed actuator. So oh. I apologize everybody's ears. Um, <laughs> I actually have thought that's why I, w- I was so excited and I hit my actuator switch because I like jumped up. Um, this is one of the things that I talked about with Michaela is the power um, that psychic type Pokemon could have mm-hmm. in, I guess, giving a lot of independence back to people who have invisible disabilities. Mm hmm. And definitely, you know, the aura thing, like for sure, like that's absolutely a thing. So people who aren't, and I'm not, I'm not really well versed in in neuroscience at all, but for, you know, just to say, to give a very generalized statement, the brain is a giant chemistry project Mm -hmm. that is essentially all that it is. It's just chemicals. So if you're, if you know that you're, you know, experiencing uh like a a schizophrenic episode um if science uh can go back and identify a specific chemical in the brain for instance that triggers that why wouldn't a riolu or an alakazam or an espion um or an lgm be able to know how to trigger the proper receptor in your brain and have Mm -hmm. it emit the chemical that because Okay, when you have emotions and stuff, it's your body emits a lot of one chemical and then there's a polar opposite chemical for either getting back to neutral or feeling the other way. Um, So, you know, like being really, really upset. So, you know, having a a really big like depressive episode. So, you know, like having Lucario who's like really in tune to its trainer and, you know, it's like... um, like seizure detecting dogs right they can Mm. smell when their handlers are going to have a seizure so a lucario might not necessarily be able to smell but because as you mentioned like riolu or lucario are like so in tune to like auras in general it can tell if you're getting um into that episode and it could if it were good enough i imagine prevent you from even having an episode ever Mm -hmm. which like let me tell you how much time that would save in everybody's day like (laughs) from somebody who you know deals with with chronic levels of depression i can tell you that it it like you know actively steals hours and days from you um easily Mm. and so you know having a pokemon that were that in tune that could not only address that for you but could remedy the situation would be a game changer yeah now in terms of like psychic types. I was talking to my cousin because she has a diagnosis of ADHD. Mm-hmm. And as I had mentioned before, um, Lou is autistic. And so some ADHD and autistic, I don't know the correct terminology, but like manifestations of ADHD and, and autism um, are really similar and sometimes they can even be misdiagnosed as one or the other mm-hmm. um, and so I was thinking about uh, how people who are on the spectrum the the autism spectrum have sensory related issues and so if you had a poke like Michaela mentioned Mr. Mime for instance um, and having it's Mr. Mime's known for barriers right yeah. And so if you had a Mr. Mime and you were autistic and again, it's a psychic type. So it's also in tune to how you're feeling. If it can tell that you are, you know, butting up against something that you have an aversion to. And just so people know, if somebody who's autistic has an aversion to something, uh, you know, to us, it might be like, oh, 
you know, mayonnaise isn't like, come on, you're exaggerating. If somebody with an, with autism, for instance, says that they have an aversion to mayonnaise, they will they will literally throw up if they even like smell or see it. Mm-hmm. It's not an exaggeration by any means at all. It is that their their body, their their mind cannot process that, which is why it's an aversion to them. So yeah. if you had Mr. Mime who can feel that and can also set up a barrier around you, it would be incredible to be able to dull an auditory sense. So if you have like a la- like loud sounds um, or if you have like, if there's a particular smell that's really, really gross and very abrasive to that person, to be able to erect a, a barrier. Can we talk real quick about how creepy Mr. Mime's barriers are though? Obviously they serve a purpose in this point. Whenever they're described as it, it's emitting mist from its fingertips that <laughs> solidify the air. That, <laughs> that's a little creepy. It's like, it's like well, like Mr. Mime is Mr. Mime is really creepy, anyways, though, right? Like, <laughs> like, like Ash's mom. That's all I'm going to say. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say about that work. meme. Well, the um, you brought up um, ADHD, and I was I was talking with um, one of my friends who was also diagnosed with ADHD, and I you can correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the um, treatments or medicines used in this are classified as stimulants. Mm-hmm. I was looking through some of the grass Pokemon because they tend to emit, you know, certain things mm-hmm. like Meganium emits a calming sense. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that in terms of like people or anxiety disorders, you know, yep, being yep, able yep. to calm in that. But Bayleaf very randomly actually emits a stimulant. Like, I think it's the only Pokemon that it says to emits a stimulant. Interesting. Give it an Everstone. <laughs> and so I was wondering if that might, you know, be able to work in, in sort of that situation, if there was some sort of disorder that uses stimulants uh, for treatment, you know, if maybe that sort of controlled release of that stimulant, maybe, you know, or spread out versus, you know, a pill or whatever, if that might have a different effect. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, so ADHD and ADD, I'm pretty sure are both treated in that way. Mm-hmm. And going through... I'm sorry if I'm if I'm lifting the the mystical veil that is around the life that is college, but I you know you hear people who oh you know I got I got some Ritalin so that I could focus to take my exam, mm-hmm. and I would always get mad because I'm disabled and I know people who have ADHD and ADD and I would get angry because they need that medication, and here you know this person is funding you know a dealer and going and buying this medication and really, you know, in my mind at the time, at least taking advantage of a system that was put in place to help my friends with their actual diagnoses. Yeah. Um, at the, I, I will put a caveat on my bay leaf suggestion though. Yes. Bay leaf, uh, too much of the stimulant makes people fight. <laughs> so uh, I feel like it should, it, it, Needs to be very properly trained to emit the right amount. I feel like out of all of these service Pokemon, the one big takeaway is that, like everything else, service Pokemon's abilities should be used in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got I've got one more that um that I'm gonna that I'm that I'm gonna hit you with uh in in that in the spirit of that. So I was looking at um post traumatic stress disorder and. One of the uh, symptoms involved with it is um, uh, anxiety and uh, centered uh, from things like memories or nightmares. Mm -hmm. And in this situation, I was specifically looking at uh, nightmares. Okay. And we have a couple Pokemon um, that canonically eat dreams and nightmares. Mm -hmm. That specifically being, you know, Drowsy, Hypno, Mana, and Musharna. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think, oh, great, super awesome. Take away any bad triggering dreams, you know. Everything's great. Um, minor note, apparently to drowsy nightmares are sour. So I was wondering if, and they don't like it. So I was wondering if you could maybe breed drowsies to like sour tasting dreams. Hey, or you might be able to just, maybe it's a preference thing. Maybe you find that one drowsy that loves sour stuff. You get that sour drowsy. Uh, but the, uh, the 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 caveats to why these ones need to be trained, like like any service animal, need to be trained drowsy according to the decks if you spend a lot of time with it it will actually show you dreams that it has eaten which is the opposite 
yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> like you don't, you don't want those dreams. And so, you know, that's, that, that could be a, a problem, but I think the worst one is actually Masharna. So Masharna and Drowsy are actually, uh, we've talked about how they're sort of linked evolutionary in, from the game's own lore, but Masharna says that, uh, when dark mist emits, don't get too near. If you do, your bad dreams will become reality. That's not good at all. That's that's literally, it will send you into like a PTSD episode. Yeah. So that's, that's like, that's the kind of thing where like, you know, I feel like if you just take some of these at like surface level, you think, oh, dream eating, totally fine, cool. But you know, when you look into it, it's like, oh, this, there needs to be some serious levels of training here and, and, and prep work to make sure that, you know, they're doing the job they're supposed to be doing and not making these situations worse, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I guess the, I think the, the last section that I sort of wanted to, to touch on uh, with you is some neurological, neurological disabilities disorders. I think the ones that most people would be familiar with are things like dementia, Alzheimer's, those, those sorts of uh, conditions. And um, you've, I think you talked about psychic types earlier and I think that they also have some really big applications uh, in this field as well. And I was specifically looking at things involving memory and, and sort of the brain deterioration uh, or, or memory loss caused by brain deterioration. And there's actually a Pokemon that outright is said to manipulate memories. And that's, I never know how to pronounce it. Is it Behiem? Oh, I, I don't, I I think I said its name earlier, but I don't, I, I think that I'll, I've always said Behayim? 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 I don't, Behayim? I don't know. I don't remember what I even said. The, the UFO alien one. Yeah. Um, but um, it basically, it's dex entries. It kind of does it for nefarious purposes. Like it's it's rearranging your memory so you don't remember it, or or altering your memories um, just because. But I'm sort of taking that application to say that you know it has the ability to see your memories and affect them. And so I'm almost wondering if it has the ability to preserve memories and, and sort of the opposite. And if it could be trained to do the flip side of it too. So if someone was, you know, losing their memory or something, it's obviously not going to stop like the deterioration that's happening, but it could preserve some of those things, uh, some of those things that might be lost, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so I, I, I actually had um, two grandparents that, that went through dementia. And so uh, I was, you know, going through that, I was thinking, you know, how big a difference that might have made in, the, in those situations, um, you know, for them when they feel like they've, they're, you know, losing things, you know, just to kind of help give something back, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, my, uh, my grandfather also had uh, dementia, and it would have been nice, um, because he, so he was from Cuba, and um, when he was going through his, the final stages of life in, in dementia, he, for instance, lost the ability to speak in English. He could understand English still, but he could not speak it. He could only speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And um, I tell people all the time that, well, I'm, I'm half Cuban, but I'm a very bad Cuban because I don't, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Yet, if it would have the ability to, to be able to... Um, like translate, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but then it begs the question, would it need to be taught to understand every language? Can Pokemon understand any language anyways? Um, there actually are a couple. So I'm pretty sure, is, is it Zor? I'm pretty sure Zorok, um, they talk about how it, or Zero or, or someone is able to um, under, understand um, words and I'm pretty sure Jinx as well. I, and it begs the question that you're saying too, like if it's, are they parroting or are they like understanding? You know. Um, so I, I think that's the question. But if you're t if we're talking about Pokemon that might be able to communicate in that way, they're out there. And then there's also again back to psychic types. Um, are there any that could communicate um, telepathically? Yeah, that that's this is actually the very evocative thing that I've been chomping at the bit to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so there are people on a vast array of um, that have a vast array of diagnoses that are non-vocal, right? 
Mm-hmm. And um, there are definitely, I, I think that the, you know, um, people are most familiar with um, people who are on the autism spectrum who are non-vocal. And there used to be, they used to use the term non-verbal to describe them, but that's offensive and it's not true because they are verbal. They just aren't vocal in the sense that they can't formulate language, like words, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Articu- articulate words, um, but but very much understand what's going on, know what's going on, know all the people around them, all, all that kind of stuff. There's no issues with any of that. There have been a number of studies that have, um, you know, disproven that people um, on the autism spectrum, because for a long time, you know, it was just assumed that people who were autistic didn't know what was going on. And that's absolutely not the case. And so what I was thinking could be a super, super cool thing um, would be for somebody who has a vast array of diagnoses, like I said, who ends up being non-vocal or, you know, let's just say that they're autistic just for the sake of this example. Um, There is a, uh, you know, a, a difficulty in communicating. And so if there was a, a Pokemon um, that could bri- telepathically bridge two people or a person to a group of people, um, it would allow that person the ability to communicate telepathically and like actually be able to communicate of their own accord. And the other thing that I was thinking about too, selfishly, just because I've always wa- like. So I, growing up, I was also a big like Dragon Ball Z fan, Dragon Ball fan. Yeah. And I always thought that flying was super cool. And I was like, I wish that I could fly. And just the logistics of having to, to lug around this 300 pound wheelchair is just not always the funnest thing, especially when there's stairs involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I always have like fantasized about if I had telekinesis and I could fly, right? Yeah. So if there was a Pokemon who was able to essentially open its telekinetic powers to you and allow you to then gain control and have telekinetic powers or could levitate you like Mm -hmm. you could do that instead of needing a, a wheelchair and you could do that depending on how strong it was, um, like, in, you know, that it didn't get tired. Because, again, like, the whole going back to the uh, electric-type Pokemon getting tired if, like, they exude too much electricity, I imagine that using brain power would also do the same thing for a psychic-type. Yeah. And, uh, you know, giving the person the ability to, like, levitate instead of using a wheelchair would be, like, in my opinion, super cool. Yeah. If only Pokemon were real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we are coming up on the end of it, Kyle, but I did want to add in one thing. We both spaced on one Pokemon that can talk. Uh, Meowth. Meowth? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Granted, it's that one Meowth, but it's shown that it can speak uh, and form la- form and understand language. So maybe we can get some extra ones in there. Yeah. Hey, here's, here's, to, here's to hoping. Well, on that, Kyle, I think we'll head on to the closing. So, all right, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed our conversation today. If our listeners want to learn more about you or your podcast, can you just drop your your handle or or where they can find your show? Yeah, for sure. Um, If you want to know more about uh, the Disablest Network, you can always go to our website at disablest.org. It's spelled D-I-S-A-B-L-E-I-S-T. We're on YouTube if you uh, search for disablest network or just type in disablest will come up um i'm on twitter uh we don't have a disablest network twitter as of yet but you can find me at disablest kyle um disablest is spelled the same way um and then this disablest network has a facebook page um and if you are disabled uh we have a disabled only facebook group actually called the disablest nation and we'd be more than happy to have you there and it would be really nice to be not one of, I think, three Pokemon fans that are in that group of 160-something people. So, and then, um, you know, if you would like to email me, if you're disabled and you would like to come on the show, 
Um, or if you're an ally and you would like to come on the show, my email address is kyle at disablest.org. Um, my name is spelled K-Y-L-E. And uh, I, I believe that. Oh, and we're also on um, Anchor and Spotify, um, Google Podcasts. I don't know how to, I don't know why, but iTunes won't work. So unfortunately, we're not on iTunes, but like on literally every other podcast platform. So if you just search for um, Disablest or Disablest Network, we will pop up on that. Gotcha. Well, again, Kyle, thank you so much. Uh, and listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. I hope you uh, enjoyed our discussion. Um, we've got a lot of great episodes coming up in the future. We we promise we'll talk RCS, but we want to make sure that we leave some time for people to experience it so we can talk a little bit more about the gameplay and not have to worry too much about spoilers. Um, but uh, we got some exciting content coming up for you all uh, in the future. So thank you all so much for your continued support. Uh, as always, if you want to uh, support the show. One of the best ways that you can is leaving a review or and rating in your podcasting app of choice. Um, it helps others find the show and it kind of helps us with our search algorithms and all that fun stuff. So uh, on that note, thank you all so much, Kyle. Again, I can't say enough. Thank you so much for your time and we'll catch y'all next time. Bye. Bye.